You're listening to Vet Candy. Welcome to Epilepsy Unleashed, unveiling the mysteries of canine epilepsy. Presented by Vet Candy and brought to you by PRN Pharmacal, makers of Vet CA1. Join me, your host, Clay Palmer, on this educational podcast journey as we dive deep into canine epilepsy. Epilepsy is a significant neurological condition affecting approximately 0.75% of the canine population, marking it as the most prevalent neurological disorder among dogs. This complex condition is characterized by recurrent, unprovoked seizures originating from a range of brain abnormalities. Dr. Jemiah Tracy is a board-certified neurologist at the Eastern Pennsylvania Veterinary Medical Center. Canine seizures are intricate events characterized by sudden, abnormal electrical activity in the brain, resulting in a loss of consciousness or control over a specific muscle group. Identifying the root causes of seizures is paramount for effective management, with triggers ranging from metabolic disorders, brain tumors, toxin ingestion, trauma, birth defects, and idiopathic epilepsy. Idiopathic epilepsy, reflecting similarities with human epilepsy, emerges as a predominant form. This variant often accompanies behavioral comorbidities such as heightened levels of fear, anxiety, and aggression, complicating the disease's management and profoundly affecting both the dog and the caregiver's quality of life. Canine epilepsy manifests in diverse forms. The idiopathic type, typically genetic in nature, is the most common and is distinguished by the absence of identifiable structural brain abnormalities. Structural epilepsy, in contrast, results from observable danger or malformations within the brain. There's also a category of epilepsy of unknown origin, where the cause remains elusive even after thorough diagnostic evaluations. The process of classifying these seizures is complex but critical as it informs the diagnostic and therapeutic strategies. This complexity is particularly evident in idiopathic epilepsy, mirroring the multifaceted nature of human epilepsy in its symptomology and impact. Investigating behavioral patterns in dogs with epilepsy presents unique challenges. One key difficulty is distinguishing between the interictal, between seizures, preictal, before seizures, and postictal, after seizure behaviors, as well as identifying prodromal changes, early symptoms, and factors that precipitate seizures. Adding to the complexity, the under-recognition of less obvious seizure types like absence and focal seizures makes accurate behavioral assessments even more challenging. Seizures in dogs manifest in different forms, each presenting distinct characteristics. Focal seizures affect specific muscle groups, with dogs typically remaining conscious. Absent seizures may involve staring off or zoning out, often accompanied by falling over or loss of consciousness. Generalized seizures, or grand mal, encompass full-body convulsions with a loss of consciousness lasting anywhere between 30 seconds to 3 minutes. The intricate nature of behavioral symptoms in canine epilepsy, coupled with the demands of caring for an epileptic dog, can significantly diminish the quality of life for both the animal and its caregiver. Despite a growing awareness of these behavioral comorbidities and their profound impact, there remains a stark lack of objective research methods to classify and quantify these behaviors in dogs. Evaluating Research Tools, Strengths, Limitations, and Opportunities a recent study at the University of Guelph examined three research tools employed in the study of canine behavior and epilepsy, questionnaires, electroencephalography, and actigraphy. Questionnaires, 
These tools are instrumental in gathering subjective data from caregivers about a dog's behavior. While they offer valuable insights, questionnaires are limited by the reliance on subjective observations and the potential for caregiver bias. Emily Folkard is lead author on the research paper, Tools and Techniques for Classifying Behaviors in Canine Epilepsy. The purpose of the questionnaires was to get the really detailed description from the owners about what they've been seeing and just kind of what the dog's normal behavior looks like on a day-to-day basis. If they've noticed any behavioral differences in their dogs since having epilepsy. Electroencephalography, or EEG, provides objective physiological data regarding brain activity. It's crucial for diagnosing seizure types and understanding their neurological underprintings. However, its application is limited by the need for specialized equipment and expertise. So that's kind of where the EEG comes in, is we're able to capture events that are visible to the eye, that aren't visible to the eye, Um, You know, if the owner's sleeping and the dog has a seizure, then we capture it. If the owner's in the bathroom and the dog has a seizure, then we capture it. I think it's more the EEG provides like a safety net where we're just able to capture everything. Whereas if you were just relying on the owner and their view and their, you know, subjective opinion, we might not be able to capture everything and get that full, complete picture of what a seizure or epilepsy looks like in each dog. Actigraphy. This tool involves the use of activity monitors to track movement and behavioral patterns. Actigraphy can offer objective data on a dog's activity levels, potentially correlating with different seizure phases. Its limitation lies in intercepting the data in the context of complex behaviors. And then we had the actigraphy, which gave us a bit more behavioral data. Uh, So things like activity levels. So, you know, how much the dog was running around, moving versus laying down, resting and proximity as well. Proximity was something else we measured. So proximity to owner, proximity to other key locations in the dog's environment. A prospective combination of these tools, questionnaires, EEG, and actigraphy, could significantly enhance the objective classification and quantification of canine behavior in epilepsy. And our goal with all three of these technologies was to use them over a 48-hour period. We instrumented the dogs with the EEG and actigraphy at the Ontario Veterinary College in Guelph. We sent the dog and the owner home with the equipment in hopes of getting up to 48 hours worth of recordings from those technologies. That was the case for some dogs, for some dogs. I was getting a call within the hour that they were (laughs) ready to come back. By integrating the subjective insights of caregivers with the objective data from EEG and actigraphy, researchers can develop a more comprehensive understanding of the behavioral aspects of canine epilepsy. The behavioral changes observed in dogs with epilepsy, such as increased fear, anxiety, and aggression, underscore the intricate link between neurological disorders and behavioral responses. The assessment of these behavioral patterns is challenging, primarily due to the difficulty in distinguishing between the various seizure phases, which include preictal, ictal, and postictal, and identifying early warning signs and seizure triggers. The issue is further complicated by the under-identification of subtler seizure types, such as absence and focal seizures, which are often overlooked in clinical assessments. The accurate assessment of behavioral changes during the different seizure phases is a demanding but essential aspect of managing canine epilepsy. 
Understanding these behavioral nuances, especially during the postictal phase, is crucial as they significantly impact the dog's overall well-being and the caregiver's ability to provide effective care. The exploration of canine behavior in the context of epilepsy employs various research methodologies, each offering unique insights and facing specific limitations. Questionnaires are invaluable for gathering subjective data from caregivers, but are limited by potential biases. EEG stands out for providing objective physiological data essential for diagnosing specific seizure types, but its utility is often hampered by the need for specialized equipment and expertise. Actigraphy, employing activity monitors, offers quantitative data on a dog's activity levels, but interpreting this data within the context of complex canine behaviors poses its own set of challenges. An integrative approach combining questionnaires, EEG, and actigraphy is proposed to enhance the objective classification and quantification of canine behavior in the context of epilepsy. This multidimensional strategy aims to provide a more holistic understanding of the interplay between neurological and behavioral factors in epileptic dogs. The genetic landscape of canine epilepsy is intricate, with many breeds showing predispositions to heritable forms of the condition. Dr. Fiona James is a veterinary neurologist and an associate professor at the University of Guelph. Epilepsy is a disorder of the brain that manifests as multiple seizures. So, you know, everyone gets one free seizure, but as soon as you start having multiple seizures, then we start talking epilepsy. And the type of epilepsy we're talking about studying in our research together here is what we call idiopathic epilepsy, which means that there's no structural cause in the brain, not that there was a tumor or that there was um, a stroke or, you know, something else that or even brain injury, traumatic brain injury that damaged the brain that resulted in these seizures. But instead, it's it's a likely inherited condition. And we actually see this as, as a neurologist. This is one of the most common diseases I see as a veterinary neurologist. But in the wider population, evidence shows that it affects for about uh, half to 1%, say, of dogs in general. But in some families and breeds of dogs, it can affect up to 30%. You know, depending on the breed of dog you have, the likelihood of epilepsy changes based on who you live with. The etiology of seizures typically involves an imbalance between excitatory and inhibitory processes in the brain, but the precise mechanisms remain partially understood. The management of canine epilepsy involves finding the right anti-epileptic drug or the right combination of comprehensive education for pet owners. Being such a common disease, it's super frustrating in that we don't necessarily have specific drugs for specific types of epilepsy. So we're, we're seeking to understand that and diagnose it better so that we can say fluffy here has this type of epilepsy versus tank over there who has that type of epilepsy and we should treat with this drug versus that drug right now what we do is we say oh they have epilepsy and then we say try this drug and then we say try that drug and so it's a you know kind of a process of elimination to find the drug that works for them um, and so that's one of the frustrations for the families of these dogs and the the vets that care for them and then as a, a veterinary neurologist i get to see the the trickiest cases the ones we have that we call drug resistant epilepsy educating owners about recognizing various seizure types, maintaining detailed seizure diaries, and understanding the nuances of postictal behaviors is essential for effective disease management. Providing adequate support for newly diagnosed pet owners is crucial and can be the difference between starting treatment or the pet owner choosing to euthanize the pet. Now, in terms of understanding this epilepsy a little better, like I said earlier, 
we're starting to understand that similar to humans with epilepsy, we do see behavioral problems as part of epilepsy. Ongoing research endeavors are focused on elucidating the causes of canine epilepsy and developing novel therapeutic interventions. The study of canine epilepsy also contributes to the broader understanding of the condition in humans, with both species benefiting from this translational research. However, the differences in drug responses and the feasibility of monitoring and management between dogs and humans present ongoing challenges. And so over the years, different tests for behavior have basically included, you know, survey descriptions, questionnaires that the owners fill out, a direct observation or video recorded observation, that kind of thing. From the epilepsy perspective, you know, trying to better diagnose it, EEG or electroencephalography has been done, but mostly in the clinic and generally mostly asleep. Not, not usually awake. That's one of the things my lab has pioneered is doing routine awake recordings in these dogs. So we we instrument them with you know, wires on their head and a little backpack on, and then they trundle around the hospital. And we're following them with a laptop with an antenna on, looking like we're walking a cyborg dog. And it's, you know, people just chuckle as we go down the hall with the dog. But again, that's all in the hospital. Colleagues out there have tried putting these accelerometers on dogs. These are the same sort of accelerometer you have in your Fitbit kind of wrist gear or your smartwatch or in your iPhone or your smartphone these days that can tell that your phone is being dropped or how many steps done today. These are really cool tools because they don't just count steps. You can analyze the data and assign behaviors to patterns of the data. So that would be how your phone recognizes that you weren't just walking, you were running. So there's basic algorithms, which are analysis, uh, software analysis engines in the phone that say, oh, that particular pattern of jiggles was uh, somebody running for, and then and then you'll look back at your activity monitor and it says, you ran for half an hour. You know, that's however many heart points. So somebody took that tool and applied it to dogs, you know, wearing on a, a collar or a backpack as well, and tried to use it to diagnose epilepsy. But the problem is they only got a certain type of seizure. As you mentioned earlier, there are different types of seizures. There's the classic general, what we call generalized tonic-clonic seizure. The animal is on the floor, sideways, thrashing. There's some stiffness. There's some thrashing. There might be pee or poo or drooling or frothing at the mouth and jaw chattering, that kind of thing. And they're very dramatic and violent seizures to see. But then there's also non-generalized tonic-clonic seizures. And these are the tiny little ear flicks or eye flickers or blanking, you know, where they freeze for a sec and you're like, what just happened? That was not normal. And the accelerometers did not pick up necessarily those types of seizures. And the trick is those types of seizures, the non-generalized tonic-clonic ones, are super hard to identify unless you've got those wires on the head and you're recording EEG. Canine epilepsy, characterized by a complex interweaving of neurological and behavioral elements, requires a comprehensive approach for effective management. Accurate diagnosis, tailored treatment plans, and thorough owner education and support are fundamental to enhancing the quality of life for dogs with epilepsy and their caregivers. A holistic strategy is necessary to address both the medical and behavioral facets of canine epilepsy to achieve optimal outcomes. What if we put all three of these together? What if we can use the surveys to describe their behaviors and the EEG to confirm the brain activity and the accelerometers, the step counters, to confirm the behavior and or match with the EEG. And maybe we have a stronger diagnostic suite here 
that we can instrument the dog with to better understand what's happening with epilepsy and down the line, maybe better diagnose it. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. In the realm of seizure management for dogs with idiopathic epilepsy, potassium bromide stands as a well-established and trusted choice for long-term control. And at the forefront of the solution is Cabrovet CA1, a medication conditionally approved by the FDA for precisely this purpose. But what sets Cabrovet CA1 apart? And how does it work to decrease seizures? Let's delve into the science. Potassium bromide passes through channels along a nerve, creating a negative charge. This negative charge plays a crucial role in decreasing the chance of a seizure signal being sent to the next nerve. By doing so, potassium bromide effectively decreases the possibility that a dog experiences a seizure, providing a comprehensive and targeted approach to seizure control. Cabrovet CA1 stands out as an excellent option for managing seizures due to its impressive 21-day half-life in the bloodstream. This extended duration ensures that even if a dose is missed by the pet owner, the likelihood of significant fluctuations in drug concentration is minimized, thereby reducing the risk of seizures. This feature provides peace of mind for pet owners concerned about maintaining a consistent medication schedule. Additionally, Cabrovet CA1 proves to be an ideal choice for dogs with compromised liver function since it does not rely heavily on hepatic processing. This distinguishes it from other anti-epileptic medications like phenobarbital, making it a suitable option for canine patients with liver-related challenges. Delivered in a delectable chewable tablet to be administered only once a day, Cabrovet CA1 not only simplifies the treatment regimen, but also enhances owner compliance, providing a convenient and palatable option for pet owners. When it comes to seizure management, trust the science behind Cabrovet CA1. Want to learn more? Check out cabrovet.com. Epilepsy Unleashed, Unveiling the Mysteries of Canine Epilepsy was written by Dr. Jill Lopez and is a Vet Candy production. Special thanks to Veterinary Telespecialty by VOCN. Please check the show comments below for information about how to get continuing education credit plus recommended reading. If you enjoyed this show, head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. Even better, leave a rating or a comment. It really helps others to find the show. For Vet Candy, I am Clay Palmer. We will be back next week. Thank you for listening. It's Vet Candy. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. It's Vet Candy Radio.